Welcome back to another episode of Tales from the Cartridge. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. I am your other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, how are you, and what have you been playing? I am doing good. Uh, I am doing great. Uh, it's been uh, a nice, uh, relaxing weekend, mm-hmm. and I am excited to hear and, and talk about some games. Uh, what have I been playing? More Crusader Kings, just endless Crusader <laughs> Kings taking over. Munster's taken over. We've taken over Ireland, and then we married the Queen of Scotland, and killed all her heirs, and now Scotland's ours. Oh. So it's been all up, all, <laughs> <laughs> all on the up and up. Over How here. did she feel about that? I feel like that'd be a big downer. Uh, well, they weren't her children; they were her brothers and sisters, um, and her dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think. She was upset, but at the same time, I um, she likes me a lot, so it worked out okay. As um, one would, actually. yeah, it worked out okay. So I've been playing a lot of that. It's really fun and really wild and really interesting, and I love it so much because like it just takes it's like weird storytelling, similar to like RimWorld, where you're just playing a game and weird stuff happens, and you just have to adapt to that weird stuff. And yeah. you're going to lose land. You're going to lose stuff. It's it, The purpose is not to win. The purpose is just to have this really cool story that you tell over the course of hundreds of years and thousands of, of children, <laughs> um, which is really <laughs> fun. And uh, I've been still fiddling with uh, Animal Crossing. Um, I played a little bit of Sea of Thieves, which is just, like, super fun. Oh, uh, swashbuckling, buck wild. It's a really beautiful game. Um it's made, and the reason I was so excited about it is because of all my research on Rare when we were doing Banjo Kazooie that I like mm-hmm. was so excited to see what else Rare has done, and it's it's just such a wonderful game. the The gameplay is really fun. The progression is eh, but it's it's just a really fun game to play with friends. So uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been that's what I've been playing. Uh, how are you? What have you been playing? I'm good. I am good. I am uh, more relaxed this weekend. I tried uh, Deprivation Tank for the first time, Ooh. which was uh, terrifying, but also uh, surprisingly relaxing. I uh, um, didn't realize you go in stark naked, but you learn fast <laughs> and you float <laughs> hard. That's, there's so much Epsom salt. And it's funny, too, because I was laying in the tank and I wasn't sure which way to lay. <laughs> and uh I was just laying there trying to, I like meditating, but, you know, it's kind of much different in that space. But anyway, I'm laying there, right? And all of a sudden, this drip comes from the roof of the deprivation tank onto my face, right next to my eye. And it just I just feel it slowly go into my closed eye. And the burn, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> the burn my eye felt was awful. Oh, um, but besides that, though, it was fantastic. So I highly recommend it. Uh, just make sure you lay it there, whatever the right side was. I don't. I still don't know what that is. So if anyone knows, <laughs> let me know. Um, but yeah. Uh, but for games I played, I had a kind of weird week. I didn't play a whole lot. The only game I really played this week uh, was Streets of Rage Four on uh, the Switch. Yeah, I watched a, a Twitch streamer play it, and uh, I loved. I was just so enamored by the, the art style of the game it's so beautiful it's so well done and uh i just had to get it and it was a little too much it was like 25 bucks for a really i mean there's a lot of like replayability i suppose i don't know if i'd say a lot yeah. of replayability actually there's some replayability um <laughs> it was a lot of fun i think you, i'd wait till it gets a little bit cheaper though but i really listening to you talk about sea of thieves makes you really want to play it and i i'm slowly wearing down to the play where i probably will get game pass inevitably <laughs> uh, in the near future for the pc i mean and actually like that price point for the xbox 
One S. Well, yeah, Xbox, Xbox One S, right? Or Series S. Series S. Series S, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always mix it up because the names are so... Xbox makes the names incredibly hard to remember. <laughs> to, you know, remember which one's which. But yeah, um, yeah the Series S um, is so cheap. And yeah. I'm an all-digital kind of guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not really an Xbox player, so it seems right up my alley. And uh, so, yeah, I am really looking forward to that. But other than that, that's pretty much it. And Animal Crossing, of course. And if anyone is actually interested in checking out our islands, I'm sure we can give our, our dream codes. Yeah, yeah. Eventually. Um, my island is not kind of a mess right now, though. It looks like a bomb <laughs> went off. There's so many flowers <laughs> in different places. And yeah. I'm trying to make up like this little suburban area for four of my residents. And it's just not it's not going the way I want it to. And it's, it's a whole process. So yeah. we're getting there, though. One day at a time. My animals will not leave me because I too, care about them too much. <laughs> so when they come to me and they say, Eric, can I leave the island? I'll say, no. no <laughs> I've worked too hard on this island for you to leave now. <laughs> You're staying. A single tear falls off their face. But yes. Um, last week, we did Half-Life slash Black Mesa, the first part of it. And today, yeah. we will be finishing the other half of the game. But I figured we should probably do a recap. I would love that. I would love that so much. I'd like to take on the challenge as the listener oh, okay, yeah. of, of the story. Unless you, is that okay? Is that... No, I think, I, and I do this, uh, one of the things to know about me is I play D&D. And whenever I play D&D, I always have the players do the recap. Because oh. it isn't important necessarily what I remember, but it is really important what you remember, right? Because it is mm-hmm. for you. So as a listener, as a story goer... The things that connected with you are what's most important. So yeah, I think you're I think you're perfectly suited. That's perfect. One second, my cat wanted to come in, so he's <laughs> you're fine. In. Great. This is not gonna go well. <laughs> yeah. So okay, here's the recap. Our protagonist is Gordon Freeman, 27 year old scientist. I believe he has a ponytail. He had one, and it, when he showed up to work, it was cut off, and somebody called him. Oh, that's right. Okay, all right. I think you told me that off screen, <laughs> which I think is so funny. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Yeah, that's very good. So, Gordon Freeman, 27-year-old scientist, he goes to Black Mesa. He, I'm sorry. He works at a facility called Black Mesa, and this takes place in the same universe as Portal, even though that's not very important. Uh, so, Gordon is working with his fellow scientists. Long story short, causes a bunch of aliens from a different world to invade the Black Mesa facility, Gordon with his uh, hazard suit, or HEV suit, I think is what it is, uh, and his trusty crowbar Mm -hmm. fight his way up back to the surface where he's supposed to get help only to be thwarted by the very help he was trying to get in the the form of the Marines that come to quote-unquote save everybody by killing them. Uh, So Gordon travels back down into the facility and is told that there is a team called Lambda Team that work in Black Mesa that could possibly help the situation so on his way there gordon goes there but is inevitably knocked out by some marines and is dragged away and that is where we left off how did i do you did amazing yeah you did great yeah you i think you got all the major story beats everything important was there you did great i edited the, the podcast the last week's podcast like three times so i should i should know Fresh the story pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i think i still am super super excited and it's funny because like I, last week i said i'm probably gonna buy black mesa and i I really want to buy Black Mesa, but it's twenty dollars, which is probably a good deal for it. But I know that that game goes on sale so often. I just yeah, can't. Sure does. I can't pay the full twenty. I'm too cheap. Like, I just can't <laughs> do it. I played twenty five bucks for Streets of Rage, which definitely is not a twenty five dollar game. And here I am waiting for Black Mesa, which is like a seven hour, I think six to seven hour game. He said, 
before, and I, I won't pay that. So go figure. I'm flawed. <laughs> okay. But uh, I'm very excited. The, the moment that Gingo's on sale, I'm buying it. I cannot wait. And I was watching the trailer, too, and there's so many little things that I remember you saying in the story last week that I, could, I was picking up. I was like, oh, I remember that part from the story. That's awesome. So I'm very excited to get into it. But I think before we go and jump back into the story of Half-Life, we wanted to go over some more background information uh, in the form of spinoffs of this, of this game. Yeah, so one of the things in, in my research that I found was that Half-Life, like, like we talked about, Valve is, is very sparing with their games, and, and when they come out, they want it to be really important. And one of the things uh, more recently I heard is actually one of the reasons that, and it's because I was doing research on Half-Life Alex. this is unrelated to spinoffs, this is just something I thought of that was really interesting, mm-hmm. is, and we, we speculated a bit that the, perhaps the reason Half-Life 3 didn't come out is because it, it just wasn't where they wanted it to be. And um, one of the things I remember one of the developers saying is, we had Half-Life 3, or a version of it made, but at that point, the Source engine was kind of outdated, and when they make a new game, they want to they ask, how is it changing the landscape? How is it radically changing how we play games? Which is like kind of why they've they've been so hesitant to make one because they want every time they release a new game it to be like this huge leap forward. But one of the things that um, related to that is is spinoffs. There's been a bunch of Half Life spinoffs, um, not made by Valve, but still within this world that they they got another company, Gearbox actually, who made Borderlands. This was like their first group of games. They actually worked on six different Half Life games. That's um, crazy. Contributing things to them. And the ones they kind of leaded was the the three spin-offs. So there's Half-Life Opposing Force. You play as Corporal Adrian Shepard, a US Marine. You go into Black Mesa facility for an undisclosed mission, and then things go wrong and you're fighting for survival against agents, these these secret agents who are there to like nuke the place. These aliens, they're they're called Zen aliens, and then the mysterious race X. Like and this is happening at the same time as Gordon Freeman's adventure. So you're going in as a Marine and shooting scientists as Gordon is like making his way out. And then that gets more complex and that character stuff happens to that character. The next spinoff is called Blue Shift. It, you play as um, one of the security guards, actually, Barney Calhoun, which you'll recognize from Half-Life 2 if you've played those games. He's a really important character to those games. He's a security guard um, in Black Mesa. When you walk up to the facility, first thing, this isn't in the original Half-Life, this is something they add. While you're riding the tram, you see Barney sitting at a, at a tram station waiting to come to work. And then when you arrive, they say, oh man, Barney... He, he's he's in he's late just like you he must have been his drinking must have caught out with him or something like that so that's uh-huh. so you you follow barney the security guard who's he's on a tram when this goes down he gets caught in this and then he tries to escape in a different route and using different things and helps um other scientists along the way um, cool. so we've played as a marine we've played as a we've played as a security guard and then we play as a doctor um in half-life decay um, we follow two female colleagues of Gordon Freeman, Gina Cross and Coletta Green, who are two scientists who were heavily involved in both the... Their job was actually to bring the specimen to Gordon Freeman. So to get that crystal and deliver it to Gordon Freeman so we can start the resonance cascade, right? That, that launched all this off. Mm-hmm. And then after that happens, it's them dealing with that in, in a different way than Gordon Freeman. They have their hazard suits because just like Gordon, they, they kind of got the short end of the stick there. Um, but yeah, it follows it follows their journey through this Resonance Cascade and how they escape. And one of the really cool things about these games, I've never played any of them. Um, I do have to say up front, I've never played any of them. But 
they all connect in this really interesting way where in Decay, like we talked about in the last game where Gordon has to launch a satellite, uh, Coletta and Cross were the ones who started launching it before the Marines showed up and, and decommissioned it. So, like, they were oh. they were a big part of that, and they were working with Lambda Team. And in Blue Shift, Barney meets some of the scientists who Gordon was working with at the very beginning of the game and helps them get out. And those characters are really important later. And then in Opposing Force, there's this, like, nuke that was going to go off in Black Mesa facilities, and because of things that happen related to this person it didn't go off because of something he did which was allowed gordon to do the things he had to do in this really interesting way um so i I thought that was really cool but first that it's made by gearbox um which i do Mm -hmm. not associate with half-life games which now i should because it's how they got their start and then how interconnected they are they took this one this one setting in this one half a day period and they've had three separate games within that interweaving and interconnected in this really cool interesting way that is really cool. I never knew Gearbox. I, and I think Gearbox, I think Borderlands. Yeah. Like, there's no other. And, and, and uh, Battleborn. <laughs> oh, no. We don't talk about Battleborn. <laughs> Nobody Battleborn's does. a dead game. Nobody does. No one ever did, and no one ever will. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's crazy. I had no idea that that's how they got their start, which is really cool. And I I didn't, I just, I just, never realized how deep the story was of Half-Life. It's, yeah. just, it's gone way further than I ever expected. So I'm really excited to see how this other half of this game goes and, and where that takes us into, into Half-Life 2. All right. Well, I guess without further ado, uh, Ryan, would you like to continue the story of Half-Life? I would love to. Okay, good, because if you said no, that'd be super awkward. Be, yeah, we'd be just stuck <laughs> Story goes would be upset. I'd be confused. Uh, it'd be awful. It'd so. just be, a, yeah, yeah. We'd leave him on a cliffhanger and then never, no one would ever leave somebody on a cliffhanger and then just never follow up. That's just not what you're you going to Valve? You could evolve the story goers. Gordon Freeman is jolted awake from the caw of a crow, which is quickly drowned out by a loud beeping of his HEV suit. Morphine administered. He sees a bright blue sky and a dangling scrap magnet overhead. Quickly, he stands up and finds himself surrounded by wooden crates and cases of military equipment. As he begins to observe his surroundings, there's a loud creaking sound and the walls begin to move together. They push closer and closer. The sound of crushing crates fill the small chamber. He quickly clambers up some nearby crates and containers before he's crushed by the walls of the metal garbage compactor. Gordon pulls himself onto the top of the compactor before seeing the walls finally close together. He makes his way into the nearby control room. All of his weapons and equipment are gone, crushed in the compactor. Out of necessity, he takes the crowbar from the panel. The familiar feeling gives him some semblance of comfort, even if all his other weapons are gone. The exit out of the room is locked tight. Reluctantly, Gordon makes his way back to the now-open trash compactor, where he initially gained consciousness and watches the debris empty into a chute to the mesa below. This seems like Gordon's only exit. He leaps onto a few broken crates and rides them into the heap below. Before he can find a way out of the trash heap, more small crawling aliens materialize through a portal in the air and begin to attack. He pulls out his crowbar and beats them out of the air. Green glop flies everywhere and the sound of squelching fills the air as the body parts explode when hit with his crowbar. Gordon quickly climbs up inside a standing water reservoir that leaps deeper into the processing plant. He knows that he needs to make his way back towards Black Mesa and Lambda Labs. Gordon passes through an old alien-infested industrial processing factory. He moves through a maze of conveyor belts and old machinery, all while nearly escaping more masses of those small aliens that seem to have made a home here. His HEV suit is the only protection he has from the green glow of toxic waste and a pile of old industrial waste that litter the area. 
After traversing the complex, Gordon climbs the ladder and finds himself in a large chamber with destroyed crates littering the ground. A loud shrill of an alien and the blast of its shockwave knocks him off his feet. Pulling out a pistol he found traversing the complex, he shoots the large alien. The alien shrieks as they collapse to the ground. Gordon moves past the alien carcass to find himself inside a different part of Black Mesa. How very Star Wars. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. yeah. And just like having like, you know, these flashbacks to episode four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I see Luke in his like stormtrooper outfit and Gordon in his hazmat or his HEV suit and like the trash compactor. And like, it's just, it's kind of cool. I, I wonder if that's uh, if Star Wars is the inspiration or what. Um, it just seems like Gordon can't find any break in this whole thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just I'm surprised too that the Marines didn't kill him. They, they he opted to put him in the trash compactor probably to make him suffer, I guess. Yeah, and I think part of it too was at the very end when they're dragging him away, they're having a conversation about getting rid of the body. And I'm guessing they assumed this would be the cleanest way to get rid of the body, put it in a trash compactor. Although I can't imagine like people are searching bodies yeah, <laughs> in this yeah. place. When there's like aliens and, and, and scientists and marines everywhere, but um and I thought it was also weird too that there's morphine in his HEV suit, like super weird that this hazard yeah. has morphine that could be administered right. through it. I just, which gives I think more evidence to the fact that maybe there is a built-in diaper in this suit. Right. Yeah. If it's gonna <laughs> give you like drugs, it you gotta be able to go to the bathroom. I, yeah. I, can you imagine trying to get that suit off? That's impossible. There's no <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> And when you get into the suit, you, like, step into this big, like, machine that, like, puts it on you. Oh, so I yeah. can't imagine, like, on your own there's, like, a zipper somewhere, right? No, like, yeah. radiation would get in the zipper. For sure, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if your bladder's full and you have to go, there's no way you're getting that suit off in time. Either there's a built-in diaper or you're going to look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe instead of a built-in diaper, it's just sealed. So it all just collects at your feet or something? Oh, God. <laughs> that is awful. Is that worse? That is the That's worst. Worse. I can't even imagine. There's this look on Gordon's face as he's sloshing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. All yeah. right. Are we all at uh, the story goes all gone now? <laughs> yeah, this is just us? Left okay. the room. Goodbye, story <laughs> Various lights and computer screens dimly light the chamber. Gordon slowly approaches a human-sized glass container in the center of the room. Inside, he sees a large, bipedal alien, larger and more imposing than any others. The alien slams its claws in the glass, but unable to break out of its chamber. It stops and stares at Gordon in silence. Gordon turns and makes his way to the control chamber nearby, the panel in front of him showing the vitals of this creature, and it reads electric, fire control, and gas. Gordon slowly steps back and leaves. The creature is still trapped, but unharmed. Traversing deeper into the lab, he sees more containment units and test chambers, filled with the familiar faces of the creatures he's faced. Some of them lay on lab tables, dissected and pull apart. Others wait nearby in small cells, with just enough space to move. Large weapons hang from the ceilings, waiting to be activated and destroy the creatures in the room. As Gordon moves to the lab, he runs into his security guard. Hey, it's no good up there. It's all sealed off. The only way out would be to find someone with scanner access who can open the front door. I'm pretty sure there's a few scientists hiding somewhere in the labs. Maybe with us both looking, we can track them down and get them to let us out. The guard and Gordon make their way deeper into the lab, looking for the missing scientists. When they come to the entrance of the lab, they find two marines patrolling the area. Without hesitation, they attack. Using the element of surprise, he assassinates them both before they can even draw their weapons. 
Now, fully equipped with the Marines' rifles and ammo, they head into Lab B to continue their search for the scientists. Uh, so it's. I think what's interesting that I'm noticing in your in the story so far um, is that it sounds like these aliens were already known about before this whole incident went down. The fact that they were dissected and these weapons were collected that were presumably theirs. This giant uh, bipedal alien trapped in this containment thing, and um, so it sounds like these there's there's definitely people within Black Mesa that knew about these aliens and were experimenting on them. Uh, before Gordon uh, caused this whole thing to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. The, this whole moment is demonstrating that there's something else going on here. Black Mesa not only knew about these creatures, they've had samples of these creatures, they've been experimenting on these creatures, they've had them locked up, and, like, what are then the implications for what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. How much did they know about? Where did... Now it makes you, like, reflect on everything you've gone through. Like, these creatures I'm facing where have they come from and why haven't I known about it? And if we've had them here in the lab, we must know where they're from and been there before or have a way to get there. Right. In some way. Right. And as you're exploring this place, you see more and more of these creatures as well as like these like experiment tables and writings on like whiteboards of, of different etchings of the creatures and and it lets you think that not only have we have these somebody here seen them before they spent a long time studying these creatures in some way that's crazy the more i'm thinking about it if i'm thinking about it from like a narrative perspective here i feel like gordon was set up like he was set up to cause this thing that that i feel like someone at black mesa someone higher up knew was going to happen like they, they knew they wanted this to happen to to have these aliens come into the facility and cause this chaos but I could be totally wrong. Maybe it wasn't just a total accident. But I feel like if these people, if, if people within Black Mesa knew how to extract these aliens to experiment on them and to, and to understand them better without causing a cataclysm with inside the facility, then why would this happen now? Yeah, it, it, with the amount of information you're getting, there is just something we don't know. And again, mm-hmm. we get back to this, which is a big part of this game and some of other games where we get answers to some questions, but then we get more questions that we just right. have, like, we have no idea about and we want to know more. And now there's another layer of this where the first layer was, oh no, they're spooky aliens coming to kill us all. Oh no, the Marines who are going to help are also going to come kill us all. Oh, these aliens have been here the whole time and we've been experimenting <laughs> on them, right? It just, it, it gets more and more complex. Yeah, and it's one of those things, again, that this big corporation, you know, behind all these nice words that they use and wishing you a good day, Mm -hmm. um, there's much more nefarious things going on in the background, a lot like Aperture Science. Yeah, yeah. Again, big corporations are bad, (laughs) are very bad, (laughs) except for Valve, unless they hire us. Yeah, yeah, then they're very good. (laughs) And they're super cool. (laughs) Entering an observation chamber of Lab B. Gordon and the security are witness a fight between some marines and aliens. Bullets ricochet off the aliens as the aliens execute the soldiers and move off in the distance. One of the important things with this piece is um, what I think that's, that's, again, as Valve is doing show, don't tell, is up till this point, every interaction between the marines and the aliens, the marines just clean up, right? It's just these little head creatures these little we they're not referred to at all in the story but these head crabs right these little crawling creatures and then the zombie creatures like zappy creatures and then the shoot things that have big open mouths right right all in every case the marines have just wiped the floor with them and now we're starting to see for the first instance 
these new creatures, these monsters, the, the same one that Gordon saw locked up, just obliterates these marines, and they, they, don't even, they don't even hurt it. Okay, so now we're starting to see a total shift in the, the dilemma here. Where these aliens, I mean, predominantly are going to start making it harder for everybody, probably including Gordon as well. Yeah, yeah, we're we're up till now. Like at the at the start of the game, the aliens were the antagonist, Then the Marines became the antagonist more so because certainly the aliens were frustrating, but the Marines are what put you in mortal danger. The aliens were just there to kind of plink away at you. Mm-hmm. Now this new creature that we've met, this new monster, this new alien, is able to just wipe out the Marines and keep moving. And this game does a really great job of it doesn't throw you at this new alien. It shows you what it can do first. So that you know, oh, I need to be scared of this thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I need to be I need to be concerned if I run into this thing. And this is the second time you're seeing it. The first time it was in this that chamber, right? That large tube where if you're playing the game, you can push those buttons and, and electrocute and kill the creature, right? Oh really? Yeah, so that, that console on the on the, you could push any of those buttons. And this is in Black Mesa, of course. This isn't in, in Half Life, but in Black Mesa, oh, okay. you could push those buttons and it would kill the creature either with electricity gas or a fire suppression system yeah so we're we're, we've met we've been introduced to this new creature now we see it in action and we're scared of it and then that is also letting you know there's another there's something even scarier you have to face that's cool that's a good setup and it's along the lines of uh, we touched last week how i mean i said this um that i think it's really cool when you are placed in a position where like you can be the strongest thing in the game but i think it's really cool when you see a moment where you can't help someone save themselves they have to die due to like the antagonist or or something random but it kind of creates that sense of dread for you as the player going like oh wow like that sucks i couldn't save that person now i'm like kind of scared of what's going to happen as we move forward and i think that this kind of takes a page out of that playbook i think that's really cool that we see this alien that is like nothing that we've seen before and and it kind of creates again a sense of like kind of dread or uh anxiety like oh man how am i gonna fight this thing like gordon gordon has like a crowbar in hand and he's like shaking like oh god <laughs> i can't beat this thing yeah. with a crowbar yeah. you know like it's um so i'm very interested to see what happens how gordon's gonna be able to overcome these aliens or if he even can i wonder yeah. if it'll be too much lab b is just as unnerving as the previous one more alien bodies lie dissected on tables for study, or in stasis within large holding chambers. In the distance, Gordon hears the sounds of scientists talking. He starts heads in that direction. What is this thing? Is it some kind of weapon? Put that down! It's a prototype! Man, why aren't we using it? It's much too predictable. Don't let it overcharge. What What do you mean, overcharge? A block door down the hall explodes, sending the barrier flying. As Gordon enters the chamber, all that remains are two small charm marks on the ground and a strange weapon that seems to use the same technology as those weapons hanging from the ceiling in the test chambers. And here, we were, we were introduced to a new creature, right? And then after that, we get a new a new weapon, uh, a, a more powerful than the ones we've, we've gotten before. So it's given us the problem and then given us maybe a solution of some kind. Yeah. Okay, so now he's using alien technology to... To fight. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, bullets aren't going to work. They might not use whatever they're using. <laughs> smart, Gordon. Smart. <laughs> this is why you're the scientist, and I'm not. <laughs> he finds a sealed door with a bladed autopsy machine spinning wildly. Using the power from an oversized laser in a different room and some disabled security measures, Gordon blows a hole in the wall, jumps back into an auxiliary part of the lab, where he finds a group of scientists trapped in the room by that large machine. A scientist, thank God! 
Get us out of here before those military drones find out that we're hiding here. We all have retinal scanners. Escort us to the lobby, and we can get you out of the lab. You'll have to shut down the surgical unit first. That fool Peter switched on, but I'm afraid he never made it back. <laughs> Peters. <laughs> Poor, more scientists lost to the... More fodder lost. <laughs> first Smithers, now Peters will ever end. Gordon enters the chamber with the surgical unit. It spins wildly, sending sparks from its metal blades, crashing into metal walls and surgical tables through the room. Gordon quickly dives past as it swings wildly and disables the machine. The scientist safe and now able to use the retinal scanners, he makes his way back to the entrance and to make his way to the Lambda complex, where hopefully they have a plan. Before they can reach the exit, one of the scientists stops. Wait, wait, wait. Does anyone else think this is a bit too easy? Something is not right. Gordon, you don't mind taking a look to you. We'll just stay here for a moment. Gordon waits for the scientist to use retinal scan and makes his way into the entrance. A loud whir of helicopter greets Gordon as he exits the hallway. A squadron of marines drops from the ceiling and starts to fire. Gordon quickly dives behind cover as he shoots and kills two of the descending marines with a rifle. He lobs a grenade into the group, killing a few and causing the rest to scatter. He exits cover, pulling out the alien weapon he found in the lab. The whir from the weapon grows louder and louder. He releases, and the marine turn into a mist of gore. Gordon turns, charging as he does, and fires again. Another marine gone. From the ceiling above, more shots ring out. Without hesitation, he quickly charges the weapon, firing it up in the metal beam they're standing on, causing the center of it to explode as the marines fall and hit the ground with a large smash. He then charges it again and fires it at the helicopter hovering above him. It quickly flies away, smoke billowing from the tail. The scientists slowly exit the doorway they were hiding from to see the carnage of the chamber. They look in horror as the bodies of the marines litter the ground. Look what you did! Holy shit! It's hell out there. It's completely under military control. You'll have to sneak and fight your way from one end to the other. I don't expect you to meet many of our peers along the way, but if you do survive, somehow make it across the base, you'll end up at the Landa Complex, where the rest of the science team have taken shelter. I wouldn't venture there myself, but I will let them know you're coming. Now don't go running into this bloody war zone. Even with that suit, the odds are stacked against you. If you simply stay out of sight and listen to me, you may just live to see the Lambda Labs. There's a bit of a like weird disconnect here where they just saw you murder a bunch of people and they're like, let me help you. Let me help you get out of here safely. I mean, I guess Gordon is their best bet. Yeah. Because they know they can't trust the Marines and they definitely can't trust the aliens. And if Gordon's the only one willing to stand against them, I guess, you know, you got to trust the crazy dude in the hazmat suit. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's pretty cool, though. Like, I, I, I like how the guard's like, whoa, you just killed everybody. And the scientist's are like, okay, well, if you can continue to survive, <laughs> then your probability of meeting Lambda. Like, it's like, there's such a big disconnect. It's very weird. Yeah. It makes you wonder if they know more is going on or they were expecting something like this, but I don't think so. If they're getting shot and killed by Marines, I think it's just probably a, a game design thing, yeah. you know, or, you know, whatever it is. But still, I, it's cool that gordon is able to do all this stuff and yeah. and i you know i like that he seems like this normal person and he's taking charge and doing all these things i i almost hope it's kind of explained more as to how gordon had the mentality to do this or yeah. why gordon has been able to kind of be the one to take charge in this whole situation a scientist approaches the retinal scanner and opens the door out to the surface gordon maybe if you he falls to the ground as a bullet flies through his chest Another spray of bullets flies towards Gordon as he's greeted by another group of soldiers. Weaving between cars, Gordon fires and kills them and makes his way, alone, towards Lambda Lab. 
Oh, Rob, so they all just died? Just the one who escorted him out. The other oh, stayed okay. inside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's rough still, though. Yeah. Uh, again, there's more of this this bad luck that Gordon is experiencing. And this, this I will say, this is a Black Mesa piece, not a Half-Life piece. In the original right. Half-Life, they all stayed in and let you go alone. Um, in Black Mesa, they, they had a scientist who's going to guide you and ended up getting killed. And it's a common theme you'll see when you play Black Mesa. Somebody's helping you. They are, like honestly really good and they help you through something and then they end up dying in a really tragic sad way just to kind of i don't know if it's just like a a running joke that the writers of black mesa really enjoyed or if it was just to kind of uh, accentuate (laughs) that like gordon is the only one who seems to make it through this uh in any way unharmed yeah interesting i'm very curious if there's a reason for that or if it's just like you said a joke (laughs) yeah yeah i mean you could certainly argue like you said that there is something else going on and um as you'll see by the end there there is certainly things going on so it's within reason that 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 could be one explanation gordon finds himself in a war zone the surface of black mesa complex has shifted and changed strange plants grow in the desert sands a squad of planes fly overhead the rumble of distant explosions follow. Gordon fights his way through increasingly aggressive alien and marine forces. Large alien ships blast energy beams into marine squadrons and tanks, obliterating them, while the large, monstrous creatures easily overpower single marines in the skirmish. Gordon, force himself, kills the aliens and marines alike as he moves across the complex. He navigates large destroyed buildings and open hangars full of abandoned marine gear. Among it, a rocket-propelled grenade that he takes. Is he taking any of the marine gear, or is it kind of just showing that all the marines have kind of abandoned the fight? Yeah, so what we're starting to see, like, like, and again, this show, not tell, like we saw in that when we were in the lab, we start to see now on the surface, before, the, before when you came to the surface, you had to run because there were just marines everywhere, they had helicopters, they had planes, they were bombing the place, and you had to get down below. This time when you come to the surface, the surface looks different because there's alien plants growing, and... Mm-hmm. Now the Marines are getting, like, wrecked by aliens. There's these, like, massive ships just obliterating their tanks, and they're losing every battle. So they're showing us that the Marines, not only are they not going to save you, they're not even going to save themselves. Yeah. So they totally abandoned the, the cause, <laughs> or abandoned the mission because they know they can't win. Them. Yeah, so they're they're fighting and clashing, and then we'll start to see as as the story progresses, like this really interesting like almost b plot to gordon's plot where which i think is is a really good idea in in games that i think isn't always done but i think works really well where you have the main story is your character story of you moving through for, so for example in this game of gordon freeman moving through the lambda complex the b plot is this war between the marines and the aliens it's just kind of background stuff that you just see mm-hmm. and you somewhat engage with but then move out of it but you always know it's there. I think it really makes the story feel complex and real and more alive. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, like, it's such a cool thing to see that shift, too. I like that um, the Marines and the aliens haven't just been kind of on par as, as bad guys in this whole thing. Um, that now we're seeing that, that shift to where the aliens have now kind of overtaken the Marines. And now we're seeing kind of more of them as a threat. Where it was like aliens were the threat because they're trying to get out of Black Mesa. Then the Marines are a threat because they're chasing you from from the uh, from top side down back into Black Mesa and in, and kind of in all the corridors there. Um, but to now the aliens have again become become kind of these like 
larger antagonists because they become so much stronger. Yeah. It just adds adds more tension. Yeah, for sure. Gordon finds himself walking the streets of the complex. Burning ruins of buildings surround him. Rubble, human and alien bodies litter the ground. The slow whir of a tank slides into the center of the road. The large barrel aims at Gordon. He quickly makes his way into a nearby building as the wall explodes from the oncoming shell. Through the hole in the wall, Gordon returns fire with the RPG. It flies through the air, leaving a trail of smoke before hitting and exploding the tank. The charter remains sit in the middle of the road, defeated, and Gordon pushes forward. Uh, the purpose for this is just kind of also show that aliens are tougher, and now you're fighting not only like regular marines but tanks. But because the marines are retreating, you're getting some of their gear. You're getting even more beefier because you're gonna have to. Yeah, it makes me wonder too. Like, is this, you know, since the marines couldn't kill these aliens with what they had, is this really gonna make Gordon stronger, or yeah. um, is he gonna be smart enough to use these weapons in better ways than the marines maybe knew? I'm curious, like, how Gordon, without the alien technology in his hands, how is he possibly going to overcome these aliens? Yeah, I think the benefit that Gordon also has is he knows these aliens probably better than anybody else in this facility, other than maybe the ones who are studying it, right? He he has seen their progression over time, and he, and we as players, and we as storygoers, have watched them appear, and we've fought them throughout this experience. So he understands how to fight them. The Marines are just charging at them and trying to engage in war with them. And Gordon, I think, is... Because his purpose isn't to kill all the aliens, his purpose is to get somewhere. He doesn't have to engage all the time. Right. As he enters a small warehouse near Lambda Labs, he meets a security guard. Well, the good news is you've run into the only guy for half a mile with Lambda codes. The bad news, these guys are blocking the frickin' goal line. I say we do this nice and quiet. They look distracted enough. Guard gestures to a hangar with a small squad of soldiers. He puts in his code and opens the door to the hangar. Gordon and the security guard sneak past, trying not to alert the Marines on patrol. There's no front lines with these things. Lock it up. We're getting new extraction points. Simplify my ass. This whole operation is foobar. The guard opens the security door out to the warehouse. Okay. We need to get to the security booth. Down and to the right. Let's make a break for it. Come on. The guard rushes towards the booth while Gordon follows. Portals begin to appear behind them, where aliens appear, chasing them. Gordon fires behind as they run. He runs towards an abandoned barricade with a mounted gun. The guard hides inside the security booth as Gordon quickly mows down the charging aliens with the mounted gun before following the guard inside the booth. Okay, we made it. Oh, that'll get your heart pumping. After you, good sir. The guard puts in his codes and opens the door. I'll tell you what, that could have been a lot worse. But before he can finish, another portal opens behind him. The guard quickly closes and locks security door, trapping himself inside with the creature. Gordon can only listen as the creature tears the guard to pieces. The deafening silence is followed by a bang as the creature begins to slam on the locked door. Rip. Rip. Another one down. <laughs> Poor guy. Another one down. Ugh, Gordon's bad luck. Yeah, yeah. And I... Again, I want to point out, this is a Black Mesa thing. Um, in Half-Life, you meet a security guard. I do not think you sneak past. I don't remember that. Um, this is a this is a Black Mesa thing. And one of the things that, it, it's more of a gameplay piece, but it was really interesting, is Half-Life had this, you could like walk up to somebody and say, come with me. 
and that scientist would follow you and you could use them to open doors and to help you fight in a really interesting way oh that's cool yeah so in in black mesa they kind of turned that up and then made those characters you run into have more of an interesting story reason to go with you mm-hmm. so for example this where he's got the codes he's going to get you into lambda luckily because you found the one security guard who happened to have the codes in this area <laughs> like gordon just is incredibly lucky yeah yeah i mean kind of it's everyone else yeah. is unlucky yeah because yeah, he's so true. lucky yeah. imagine gordon going on a date and he just dates <laughs> it down they start having dinner and then a portal opens and like an alien kills his date like, god not again like you guys just please make it through one date just leave me alone just everybody me alone, i go please. with Alien's like, which is really alien for I'm just jealous. (laughs) Why don't you ever ask me out? And then it becomes this whole thing. It becomes like a dating sim. (laughs) I'd play that game, the Half Life dating sim. You get to like pick which alien. I'm surprised it hasn't been made. Like where where you play as Gordon Freeman, and each alien has like a personality. You have to like seduce certain ones in in Black Mesa as you're moving through the experience. And there's different endings based on which alien you fall in love with. I that. Maybe that's Half Life Three. Maybe that's where I we mean. Go here. <laughs> I mean, dating sims I think are pretty popular. I don't play them, but uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I see a lot of them sometimes, like uh, yeah. you know, just randomly. So it's like uh, like on Steam especially. But yeah, I think Valve again. We've given you another great idea. So mm-hmm. uh, get at us, or you are cowards. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon makes his way into the underground tunnel tunnel is full of rubble and destroyed cars still smoking from a previous battle a loud smash and a familiar roar cut through the silence as another large alien behemoth charges through a nearby fuel truck causing it to erupt in flames unharmed and unfazed the creature focuses his attention on gordon and charges these are the same creatures that we met in the tram station in the first episode the your bullets can't hurt it creature you just had to run away from and here you're back Mm mm-hmm Gordon runs through the underground tunnel, weaving between broken and run-down cars trying to find the exit, a way to escape the creature. In the distance, Gordon sees an opening. This could be the exit out of the tunnel and back outside. Gordon slips through the partially closed metal door as the alien slams, shifting and bending the metal on impact. Gordon quickly climbs to a nearby scaffolding as he hears voices over the radio. Come in! Cooper! Do you copy? Forget about Freeman! We're abandoning the base! If you have any last bomb targets, mark them on your technical map. Otherwise, get the hell out of there now. Repeat, we are pulling out, commencing airstrikes. Give us the targets or get below. The sound of air raid sirens fill Gordon's ears as he looks at a small screen used for calling in airstrikes. He uses the screen to target the creature as the alien slams in the metal scaffolding, causing it to bend and break. But before the creature can topple it, a loud explosion hits the base of the scaffold, decimating the creature. The distant rumble of explosions shake the complex as he climbs down and follows the lamb design towards the lab. Jeez, rip. <laughs> rip, yeah, large creature. Rip, large creature. Yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah, Gordon's super lucky. I don't know what it is. I just... Yeah, I mean, at some yeah, point, Gordon has to stop. It's like, wow, I am gone away with a lot today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything happens to be at the right place at the right time. And here we have, again, the the army is not saying we're, like, leaving the lab. Forget about Freeman. Forget about Gordon Freeman. Mm-hmm. We're not going to capture him. He, It's not worth it. We're pulling out. We're running away. And here's, again, that B-plot, right? That battle that we've been seeing over the course of the game. The Marines are retreating. They're running away. That's crazy. So, yeah, it says a lot. It says be careful. Yes, for Gordon, at least. 
little did Gordon know that really that big alien just wanted a hug. <laughs> and Gordon was just <laughs> running away the whole time. Uh, and poor thing. Yeah. Please. He's like, I just want a hug, Gordon. <laughs> and Gordon blew him up. And so that's rough. That's yeah. a rough time. Get like like all Gordon's like all Gordon's friends. They just get <laughs> all his dates. They all just die. get yeah. <laughs> One of the things that is worth noting at this point is now you start seeing that iconic lamb design plastered on walls and plastered on things to tell you where to go next. So now we're starting to see this symbol that becomes really important for the franchise as a whole throughout the our experience as we're making our way towards Lambda Labs, mm-hmm. almost guiding us, leading us to where we have to go. So now we're seeing kind of the significance of that Half-Life sign, I think, a lot yes. more in, in this part of the game. And I think the, the Lambda sign is also on his hazmat suit, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I believe so. I wonder why. Is there a reason why? I think it's because, in which we'll find out, is the Lambda team is the ones who designed the suits mm-hmm. um one of the things we're going to learn very soon and we'll talk more when we get there is lambda team is the best of the best at this place and they uh maybe know more than anyone else here maybe i'm speaking too far ahead but i would probably bet a good dollar that lambda team is behind the experimentation of the aliens if they're the best of the best and they had to have known that there was something going on with these aliens already before the cataclysm is that what it's called uh, the resonance cascade. Resonance cascade. Yeah, All right, big words. Yeah, means I, I. I'm pretty sure it means nothing. Maybe <laughs> if there's a good a science listener, a science storygoer, they can explain the significance of the word resonance. The words resonance cascade. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like just nonsense to me. Although, like, it it it, it probably is nonsense. It is something that is referenced all throughout the series as a. Uh, the point in which things change. Yes. Yeah, so, storygoers, if you know what a residence cascade is, please let us know and uh, please tell us how you have succeeded more in life than we have. <laughs> At least me. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't speak for Ryan, but me. Uh, I would love to hear it. I would really would love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. As Gordon enters the Landa complex, he takes a large elevator down to rendezvous with the scientist. When he arrives at the bottom, he's greeted by a small group of different aliens wandering around the entrance. Gordon dispatches the aliens, and the ladder lowers. Gordon climbs up and is greeted by a scientist who's been watching Gordon from above. I apologize, Mr. Freeman, but I couldn't risk opening the door until I was sure you'd secured the area. This is the last entrance to land the complex. Every other has been sealed off to contain the invasion. When we realized you might actually make it, we drew straws to see who'd stay behind, to let you through. Obviously, I, I drew the short one. My colleagues are waiting at the tip of the Lambda reactor. Waiting for you, I mean. The reactor is shut down right now. But you can activate it on your way up. You'll have to flood the core anyway to get into the teleportation labs. You're not authorized to know about those, but I, I can see you already know a great deal more than any one man should. The scientist leads Gordon to the elevator down to the core. Inside the control room, overlooking the core, he explains the plan. You'll need to activate both pumps to flood the reactor, and then access the pipe down there and take it to the core. Time is short. Gordon makes his way into the pumps, flooding the reactor. He uses the flooded pipe to swim and activate the core. A familiar beam of energy and portals fill the chamber as Gordon navigates his way to the top of the core. He exits to find himself in a room full of dead alien bodies with two turrets quickly locking onto him. They quickly shut off as the core opens and more scientists greet him. Gordon Freeman! You finally found us! So this is the guy? We thought you'd never make it. This is the supply depot for our first survey team. 
Quite a few handsome specimens were collected from the border world and brought back this way. Uh, before the survey members started being collected themselves, that is. We suspect there's an immense portal over there, created by the intense concentration of a single powerful being. You will know it when you see it. I hate to say this, Gordon, but you must kill it. Yeah, you better kill it. Of course, you don't know us anything, Mr. Freeman, but you've come this far. You know as much about these creatures as anyone. Enough to know if you don't wipe it out, there won't be much for you to come home to. Yeah, so if you're willing, my colleague is waiting for you at the main portal, Quindrolls. He will open the gate for you, Mr. Freeman. Do hurry. Don't forget to gear up, and I'll cover you while you're waiting for that portal to warm up. So now I'm noticing that the scientists, maybe at least one of them, are calling Gordon Mr. Freeman. And we kind of made this this point last episode, in the beginning of the game, but all the scientists mm-hmm. are calling him Gordon. So now that, that Gordon's kind of gone through all of this all this stuff in this game so far to this point, he's earned this kind of reputation, I think, uh, between the scientists and the Marines for different reasons. Uh, so maybe this is a sign that these scientists respect him more now because they're calling him Mr. Freeman? I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah, I that to be honest, that's something I didn't even notice, but that is such a good point. There's been this shift where at the start of the game... The scientist, Gordon, was just a guy pushing a cart, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's become this, like, larger-than-life superhero who is, like, single-handedly, and um, although if you look at the, um, if you look into the side stories, not single-handedly, who has, like, <laughs> almost single-handedly, like, turned this in some way around where there's maybe a chance. And now they're asking him to go into the border world and fight some creature of some kind. So yeah, that's a really good point, uh, that there's been some kind of shift in, in his respect. Gordon has to be the nicest guy in the world, because someone's like, listen, <laughs> you have to go to a different planet, a different world, and kill this monster. I'd be like, okay, well, you guys have fun. <laughs> I'm going to go and uh, not go there. Yeah. Uh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big ask. Big ask. Yeah, it's a big ask. And I think all, you, the only the only way someone is going to say yes to that is they have a built-in diaper in the suit come on yeah. there's no way yeah. you tell me you're going to a different world and not have any backup to go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah there's no way there's literally no way i don't care if story goes get annoyed with me bringing this up i just have a hard time believing that's not <laughs> i think that's i think that's a really important point to make i mean this is this is you know we're trying to make this as realistic as possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and they also said too that the community can add on to the story right that's what valve said yeah about yeah Half-Life. there's there's not like a canon well, there is now. This diaper is a thing. Suit <laughs> diapers. HEV diapers. HEV. It's the HEV built-in diaper activated. <laughs> Gordon's like, thank God. Just in fact. he's a giant alien. Yeah. Um, and just for, just for transparency's sake, I cut out a big chunk here where you're like going in the different cores and fighting aliens and turning things on, and it's it's a pretty good chunk of time. But ultimately, it's it's. You're just turning on the pipes. You're climbing up the reactor, then getting to the lab. One of the things that I think um, I wish I would have added and is really important to point out is when I talk about him making his way up the reactor and those portals appearing, you're jumping into those portals and they're taking you somewhere else. So these portals now you've established that if you go into them, it takes you somewhere else, possibly within this within this world. That will extrapolate on that more. Okay, cool. Gordon enters the armory, grabbing as much as he can carry to prepare for his journey into the unknown. Once supplied, he sees a scientist standing in front of a chamber. As he approaches, the scientist remarks, This, Mr. Freeman, is a long jump module created expressly for the navigation in the world beyond. 
I certainly hope you receive a long jump training, because once you're in Zen, you'll need it. And now this is the first time we're hearing the name in-game of Zen. We've heard it called the Border World, we've called it the World Beyond, but now we get it a name. The name is known as Zen. The scientists, these scientists have had to have been a part of this yeah. uh, alien dissection and, and study. Like, there's just no way. They know way too much. She pushes some buttons on the chamber next to her, and a robotic arm grabs something from the wall, lowers it down to him. Power assistant movement activated. Gordon follows the hallway until he finds a large open chamber. The walls are covered with thick metal. As he climbs the ladder, a scientist calls out, Hello, Freeman! I'm up here! Alright, I can open the portal now. The process is complicated, and once it begun, I must not be interrupted or I'll have to start all over again. Don't enter the beam until I give the okay, understood? I will begin. As the machine comes to life, a large beam of blue energy forms in the center of the chamber. It grows larger and larger as more beams of energy coalesce into what eventually resembles a portal similar to the ones he's seen the creatures enter our world through. It's ready. You must go now. Gordon leaps through the air, assisted by the new long jump module. He's propelled further than his legs could ever take him as he passes the portal and into the unknown beyond. Um, again, for clarification's sake, while this is happening, a bunch of aliens appear, and you have to fight them off. Um, but again, it doesn't move anything forward. It's just a, a gamey thing. So now Gordon can jump super high. Super high, super far. He can leap all kinds of ways. Um, and, and, uh, and it's pretty fun. Pretty cool. That's cool. That's cool. And it's incredibly useful, as we're about to see. Gordon finds himself standing on a large floating platform. The ground is covered with the same strange alien plants he had seen throughout Black Mesa Complex. The sky above and below illuminate with shifting colors of green and blue. Large star-like orbs fill the sky in a strange alien world. Gordon again uses the module to leap from platform to platform. Bodies wearing HEV suits are littered throughout the space as Gordon traverses these platforms, trying to find his way forward and towards whatever this creature he must face. Activating some strange pedestals, he opens a portal. Not sure where it goes, Gordon steps inside. So we're seeing him find more bodies wearing the same suits that he has so it's further affirming what you said that this is not their first time here uh this is these suits were possibly designed to go into this world and it's it's interesting that gordon has the suit that gordon was given this suit it seems that the suit is much more it's bigger than or much more useful than we anticipated it being it's not just a regular hazmat suit the fact there's morphine that can be injected into your body through it like says a lot i think yeah and like you said the fact that we're seeing these these suits in this other world is really pointing out their importance in it i mean i guess not these people it's not like these people died wearing their suits so i don't know how good these suits really are <laughs> yeah. in this world but probably the best shot that they have at staying alive so it'll be really interesting to see if there's any kind of correlation between why gordon got this suit and and the suit's usefulness in this world yeah that's a really good point um one of the things i want to make sure i point out here is zen in the original game is is still really beautiful and stunning but it's a very short experience, and we're going to focus on the Zen of Half-Life as opposed to the Zen of Black Mesa. The Zen of Black Mesa is incredible. It is visually stunning. It's taken all these story beats we're going to cover and just covered them in this beautiful wrapping, adding cool mechanics and adding all kinds of really cool things to it. Ultimately, the choice to leave it out was it came down to partially time, um, making sure we could get it into episodes. Um zen the border world in black mesa could be its whole could be a whole episode on its own because there's so much there and another part was because i think 
it's really important to make sure we're towing the line between Half-Life and Black Mesa. A lot of the visuals I've pulled from have been Black Mesa, and I want to try to go back a little bit, at least to this end experience, to that Half-Life piece, because there's a really important critical conversation about the ending um, related to Half-Life versus Black Mesa. I want to encourage mm-hmm. everyone who is interested to play Black Mesa because it's so cool to be in Zen of Black Mesa. And one of the things that does not do it justice in the original Half-Life is you find these like huge makeshift labs full of these machines you've been seeing, full of more of these like suit containers. Like it shows that there was this whole team who flat of scientists who's been going into Zen. They've built like structures in this place. They've been going in here for who knows how long, long enough to build structures and electricity systems and taking various pieces of the world and and using the crystals to power things and this really intricate and cool way that makes it feel much more real uh, realized than in the original half-life man it's crazy like i i can't imagine like these people these black mesa employees had all this time to set up shop in, in zen in the world of zen um but not prepare for the aliens to uprise or for the residence cascade to occur like it just doesn't make any sense to me how that couldn't be all planned out for these because these people are so smart to, to even be in this other world i feel like they'd be smart enough to prepare for any kind of uh to set up any kind of contingency plan uh to make sure that that none of this would ever happen so why gordon freeman led to the residence cascade or or made this residence cascade to which then would lead to these aliens uprising and basically starting to take over black mesa to the point where the, the marines are leaving i don't know something about it just makes me feel like they had this had to be planned like this it doesn't make any sense how they this wouldn't be planned for you know what i mean yeah it feels it feels off it doesn't it feels like there's more going on than we know and i will i want to make sure i'm pointing this out in this last half that we're seeing as far as I know, we haven't seen our blue-suited friend. In this last section of the game, up till now, within residue processing... Actually, no, I take that back. In residue processing, I think you see him once. And I don't think you see him anywhere else throughout the experience um, of the surface tension and Lambda Core, and then certainly not in Zen. But just to remind you of this character who was so involved... In a, in a strange way in that first episode we haven't seen much of them um, but just to keep that or keep that character in your mind Gordon finds himself standing in an unfamiliar face on the other side of the portal he accidentally steps on another body in an HEV suit he hears a strange scratch as he sees a gigantic spider type alien spawning more of those crawling aliens move towards him he quickly grabs a rocket launcher from the body at his feet and prepares to fight he launches a rocket as it collides with the creature, sending bodily liquid spewing into the air. It charges towards him as he fires again and dodges out of the way. The wounded creature turns and flees. Gordon follows, not sure what this creature is or if it's the creature he needs to destroy. Following it down into the cave, the creature seems to be retreating into. He continues to fire, hoping to kill it. When it finally falls to the ground, the body collapses, breaking the floor, revealing another portal beneath. Gordon has come this far. He doesn't know how to get home. The only option is forward. Uh, and here is again like uh, it's in the in the game this is super rushed like it's a pretty quick battle you shoot the creature it runs away you follow it you shoot the creature it runs away you follow it in black mesa it's this super cool like large extensive 
battle where you're you shoot this creature it chases you you fire at it it runs away and it's this really cool complex experience versus in the original half-life it's just fire chase fire chase dead and then there happens to be another (laughs) portal where in in black mesa it feels much more natural it feels more exciting and it feels more kind of believable honestly yeah so it sounds like they fleshed it out much better in in black mesa yeah and we start to see a theme of this of this our time in zen start to develop here that we'll kind of see throughout in the half-life versus black mesa gordon finds himself in what appears to be some kind of alien industrial complex he moves through conveyor belts and strange alien machines similar to the ones at black mesa however instead of scientists and guards the facility is full of the bipedal aliens who invaded black mesa but who seem to ignore gordon as he moves through the complex He's only engaged by strange floating overseers who seem to have some kind of control over the aliens who run the facility. At the end of the complex, he finds a large, spire-like portal. An unknown voice beckons him to step through. Hmm. So is this Black Mesa controlling the aliens? Or is this something more? Yeah, so there's like we're introduced to this new, interesting kind of alien that seems to be able to take over control of the, the creatures running the place. And these are the creatures who we first saw... Not the crawling ones, not the head grabby ones, but these bipedal two, like three or four armed creatures that have the shackles on their arms that like blast energy towards you. Oh, okay, okay. So that, they're not catching any breaks then. <laughs> it sounds like no, certainly not. And again, like the difference between Half Life and Black Mesa. In Black Mesa, you wander through this massive complex and effectively freeing these creatures in some way as you destroy the overseers in this really cool, interesting way. Cool. Um, so we're getting towards the end. We, we kind of jumped right to it. How, how are we feeling so far before we get to this, the climax of the thing? What are your thoughts? I feel like, I feel like Gordon has become bigger than himself, or this whole, this whole experience has become much greater than just surviving. It feels like there's much more of a purpose to what Gordon's doing, even though I had no idea what the purpose would be. I don't know if it's to like free these aliens, like become the savior of these aliens. So it sounds it sounds like some of these aliens, especially these bipedal ones that you, you mentioned, have just got like just a rough deal. It's like no matter where they're going, they're like controlled by someone or something. So I'm wondering if Gordon was like put this put through this whole thing to help the aliens or I don't know. I'm so confused. I'm hoping that the ending here will shine some kind of light on what's going on or Gordon's purpose and all this. But so far, I'm I'm liking it a lot. I like that. I I think again, Val does a great job in not telling you too much as to what's going on. You kind of piece it to yourself. You piece it together yourself. And I'm very curious as to what the goal is in all this. Like, what I think I know, understand Black Mesa's goal in this is that they're a giant company, so I think they're trying to profit off this whole uh, situation with the aliens. But I want to know. I want to know what Gordon's part to play in all this is, or his purpose in this, if if he was chosen to do all this, or if he was just this unlucky person who was able to rise up to the occasion. I'm very excited to see where it goes. Yeah, and that also begs a question of if he was chosen, like like you said, for what purpose? What is, mm-hmm. whoever is possibly pulling these strings, what do they want from Gordon? What do they want from Black Mesa? What do they want from these aliens? There's so many pieces that are left unanswered and we're just not sure where it's going or what's going to happen or even why it's happening in some cases because from our understanding this was an accidental thing that happened right that's shifted over time this was an accidental thing that happened that caused these aliens who we now know where they come from zen to come into our world 
for a reason we don't know, mm-hmm. because some creature is maintaining a portal that we haven't been able to close on our end. So Gordon has to come in so that they can close the portal. Why are these creatures coming in? What are they? What are they? What is the purpose of them coming into our world? Do they just want to kill everyone here? Do they want to take over this our world? We're only given such a small fraction of what's going on. We have we have we have an idea. We only are given pieces, breadcrumbs. Well, I'm hoping that I I have a feeling that if I know Valve, we're not going to get any answers <laughs> yet, which sucks. Yeah. My fingers crossed. I really want to yeah. know. <laughs> Freeman. A huge, freakish humanoid creature floats above. Its wrinkled, fetus-shaped mass with a bulbous head and multiple clawed arms. The crystals similar to the ones which started this whole incident illuminate the walls, which create a barrier of protection for the monster. Gordon fires at the creature, but to no effect. He turns to the crystals. As each explodes, the creature lets out a shriek. It raises its arm in the air. Orbs of energy flies towards Gordon. He fires again at the crystals, destroying them seeming to weaken the creature as it sends a massive beam of energy in his direction, destroying everything in its path. You will die! Using his long jump boots, he leaps away from the creature's attack. Gordon destroys the final crystal and weakens the creature again. He then stuns it before leaping into the air. A portal opens around him as the creature sends debris flying in his direction. Drawing more and more energy, it begins to spin. Its head opens, revealing a large crystal inside where its brain belongs. Gordon feverishly starts to fire at the other crystal as the complex around him starts to collapse and tear apart. Gordon's vision fades. When he regains consciousness, he's standing outside this massive spire he just climbed to face the creature. A large orb of red energy becomes larger and larger before erupting into a massive explosion that decimates the entire spire. Large chunks of stone and rubble fly through the air, heat radiating outward. He cannot escape. As he closes his eyes to accept his fate, he hears a voice. When he opens his eyes, the world around him is frozen. A pale man in a blue suit and a briefcase starts to walk towards him. Gordon Freeman in the flesh. Or rather, in the hazard suit. I took the liberty of relieving you of your weapons. Most of them were government property. As for the suit, I think you've earned it. The world around him shifts. Gordon now seeing the burning rubble of Black Mesa behind the man. The border world, Zen, is in our control, for the time being, thanks to you. Quite a nasty piece of work you managed over there. I am impressed. The world shifts again. Now the vision of the border world, Zen, in the background, a massive ball of swirling energy behind the man. That's why I'm here, Mr. Freeman. Uh, I have a recommendation. I have recommended your services to my uh, uh, employer, and they have authorized me to offer you a job. The world now, just darkness. They agree with me that you have limitless potential. A tram car materializes around the man, the same tram Gordon took into work that morning, but instead of moving through Black Mesa, it floats through an endless darkness. You've proved yourself a decisive man, so I do not expect you'll have any trouble deciding what to do. If you're interested, just step inside the portal, and I'll take that as a yes. Otherwise, well, I can offer you a battle you have no chance of winning. Rather, an anticlimax after what you've just survived. It's time to choose. Gordon takes a moment, 
There's no choice here. But after everything, he has survived. Cord walks up to the portal and steps inside. His vision fades to black. Wisely done, Mr. Freeman. I will see you on up ahead. Subject Freeman. Status hired. Awaiting assignment. That's the end. No answers. No, no answers. No more questions. <laughs> more questions. All right. Can you tell me without saying too much if Half-Life 2 answers any questions? It answers a lot of questions, but just like this, it asks so many more. Ah, uh, okay. And I'm assuming this guy is the one we were seeing throughout the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been watching us in some aspect, through the entire experience. He's the man who we saw talking to a scientist at one point. He's the man who we saw carefully leading us forward. When we went to see him, he was gone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ugh. Man, I want to know more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I want to know more. And it sounds like, I mean, if I'm if I'm guessing, actually, let me ask you first. If you had to guess where this man's alliance, or allegiances lie, what would you what would you guess? It's so hard because it sounds like in some aspects, it sounds like he's a government entity because he says, like, oh, that was government equipment. That's why I've confiscated it. And th- but then yeah. also he feels so much above. He-, he freezes time, right? He, like, takes us through different dimensions without even thinking in the middle of a conversation. He seems like this immensely powerful being who, for some reason, instead of doing any of this, just, it sounds like, at least to me, pulled a bunch of strings to make it happen in some way. And as you play through all those side stories that we talked about at the beginning, almost every one of those characters runs into this figure and is engaged by this figure. So not only is he manipulating Gordon Freeman in some way, there's a bunch of individuals he's engaging with in some way. It's it's really interesting. So yeah, I don't know. But what do you think? Who do you think he's working for? What is your what is your guesses and your ideas? At first, I thought the same as you. I thought a government agent, based on what he said about the the government property he confiscated. But I feel like there has to be more to this. Like he's some entity that can't he can't like interact with the world or something. Because like this is like you said, someone who could stop time, and he probably has these crazy powers. But he can't like, if he if he could interact with the world physically. Why wouldn't he just do all this himself? Yeah. If that's if this is his goal. So it sounds like he has to enlist help from those who are actually within the world to get them to do what he needs them to do. But then again, what are his motives? If they're, are they pure or are they, are they you know, evil in some, you know, in some regard? So I'm curious, I'm curious to know, I don't think he's human. I think that, I, I think that he looks different than just a dude in a suit. If I look, I think I, I, think I know this is the guy from uh, Gary's Mod. I yeah. think you can yeah. play as him, in the, that I assumed. Um, but he looks so normal ish you know very plain i think that it's intentional you know that his that his body that he would use in this in throughout the story is very human uh, in like the simplest regard you know like this just this like caucasian dude in a suit my point is i I have no idea where his life his allegiances are or his motives but i mean i'm curious to know what happens to, to Gordon, you yeah. know, he's kind of forced into, I mean, if this, if this being stops time and like allows you to live or, you know, lets you go and just die, uh, no matter what, I guess you have to make that choice. I just hope that Gordon's not going to regret it. 
Yeah, and I will say, like, you are given this choice in the game. You can you can enter this portal, you can stay on this tram. And if you stay on the tram, it teleports you to this room full of aliens that just kill you in a second. Oh, gee. In both games? In both games, yeah. It's the same It's the same experience, yeah. Um, you just are, are teleported to this world. And a lot of the visuals from this are from Black Mesa because they were much more cinematic and interesting. They're still good in Half-Life. But the detail and the the um, updated language that is in Black Mesa, I thought, was much much more compelling. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So overall, Ryan, you the one that played this, you wrote the story. What do you think about the story of Half Life slash Black Mesa? I mean, I I love it. I love the complexity of it. There is certainly like this old school charm to it where like you're just running into scientists and guards who are telling you where to go that's kind of cheesy and campy but i love the complexity (laughs) of it i love the b story and a plot that's both engaging and interesting and chains over time and then at the end it just flips everything on its head where all throughout the game you're you're like trying to figure out what's going on and then it takes this shift that feels so out of left field that there's this like time-stopping interdimensional uh fbi agent right who wants to give you a job and thanks you for helping them take control of the border world like it just it just is so it's so wild and so much different than what i was expecting when you when you first boot up the game it's like a horror alien game right where you're just trying to figure out what happened why the aliens are here and by the end it's something totally different in in a really unexpected way it feels really adult and complex and interesting. And I think that comes from that sci-fi writer. He was able to take this concept, and I'm sure they had some of the pieces, but but make it work in a really cool and interesting way. So I, I really love it. I love, I, there's a really special place. This game, especially playing it again, especially playing Black Mesa, now is, I think, one of my very favorite stories, even mm-hmm. with all those clunky, kind of cheesy bits um, that feel really dated. I still really love it. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, so I mean, like I said before in the last episode, I, I didn't really care about Half-Life. I never got into it. Um, I was interested when I saw the orange box. I never got my hands on the orange box. I never really cared. But listening to the story of Half-Life makes me want to get invested in it more. Though I do have a little bit of apprehension because I, I hate open-ended stories that don't <laughs> have like some kind of resolution. Like Even if, it, even if it's not like a decisive resolution, there's, there's some resolution. Even if you have to like, draw your own conclusions, I'm, I'm down for it. But So the fact that Half-Life 2 sounds like goes you know to a place where it does not end the story or conclude it in some way, shape, or form kind of bums me out. Yeah. I, I, I'm now I'm like super invested in playing this, and I'm just praying every day now that Steam <laughs> makes Black Mesa, uh, you know, go on sale because I'm cheap. Uh, but eventually, I'll probably crack. Yeah. But either way, the point is, is I I really like the story. I think Gordon Freeman's a cool character, and I want to see more. And I'm hoping that he gets fleshed out more uh, in the other games. But yeah, overall, I think. I, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. But I'm very... I just have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, so many questions. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think any good medium makes you leaves you wanting more and asking questions. But I think then that good medium also has to have a conclusion in some way. I think, like you said, it, it can even be an open-ended one. Like, some of the, I think the best stories don't necessarily give you all the pieces, but they give you enough, right? They give you enough to mm-hmm. feel satisfied and let you extrapolate from there. And certainly the Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Part 1, Part 2 are really fun experiences. And they answer some of these questions. But then, like I said, they just ask more. And yeah. 
they go even deeper into this weird lore that they're they're establishing and creating this world and half-life 2 feels really different it feels kind of like i think i may have said this it feels a lot like the last of us in the start of it yeah yeah you did say that last time yeah it's because of this event that take that took place because of what happened in this game it changed the world right and it extrapolates from there of what would happen after this happens and it goes in a really interesting place that i think gives you some clues as to what's going on i think if you if you just if you get a chance to play this is for everybody storygoers and you eric if you get a chance to play (laughs) half-life 2 some of your questions will be answered and it'll also like make you like a, a half-life conspiracy theorist because you're trying to connect these dots and make sense of this this wild story, um, and this event is what it is focusing on. Why did this event happen, and what did it lead to, and where are we now in a really interesting and fun way? I'm gonna go buy some red red yarn right now because I need to post <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, some plots yeah. together on my wall. No, I think I think what I'm actually most surprised about out of this whole out of the whole Half Life story, you know, the story itself and and the history of it. Um, I I am really surprised there has not been like one super fan out there that has taken it upon themselves to make a Half Life Three game. Yeah, you know, just to to conclude the story themselves. Maybe that's what Valve's waiting for. Yeah. What if, what if Valve's goal in all this was for some super fan to take it upon themselves and end the story there, and they and then Valve would be like, yes, that is exactly what <laughs> we wanted to happen. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be insane. Like that would. I think that'd be a really because like if their whole if their whole perspective in this is whatever the community creates for the story of Half-Life is canon, then why not? It, it makes... And actually, I, now that I'm thinking about it, it makes the it most sense to me. What if that was the whole goal is the community to come together and make Half-Life 3? Yeah. That would be insane. That would, would be. be crazy. All right, someone get on it. <laughs> we'll, we'll be voice actors in it. <laughs> I, I will say, after Half-Life Alex came out, which is a, the most recent interim into this experience now i don't know if you can trust this the the creator behind half-life alex said you will not have to wait another 14 years before you get another half-life game what oh, that i means, don't know i don't know who knows because half-life alex i think sounds like a really fun cool experience i think it's partially a trojan horse to get you to buy their vr um but yeah. oh for sure for sure <laughs> but yeah. a thousand percent um yeah that's such a cool idea I, i've never thought of that the leaving it for the community what a what an interesting concept i love that I mean, it just in some weird way, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't think, and I don't think it's impossible. They're like, I think the fans of Half Life, the most dedicated ones, who have like spent time just thinking about the, all the questions that you know that the story has brought up, and uh, just, I don't know. I'm I'm rambling at this point, but the point is, is I just I, I think that'd be such a cool thing for the the whole community to come together to make Half Life Three, and how like amazing that would be and that, again i think that'd be kind of like leaps and bounds of what valve is trying to do as a company for video games to bring it forward like yeah for for valve to bring a whole community together to make a game uh, unknowingly and unwi- you know that would be <laughs> insane that would blow my yeah. mind yeah they've like seeded the community with individuals who are pushing people to try and make it and and maybe there's even people on the company who are like part of these communities like adding things to it like it would be such this this it it, again it like the art imitates life in some way right like this strange wild conspiracy that in the game you're trying to figure out 
perhaps like that's part of the point and then and they want to because they've created that community of people asking questions and trying to find things now they're pushing them to to do something else in a really cool and interesting way and i will say the next game especially half-life episode half-life 2 episode 2 ties heavily with portal it kind of really pulls aperture into it and recognizes aperture and makes aperture a key piece of that game where half-life 3 whatever it looks like you're going to see more of aperture aperture is going to be a main focus of that experience in a really cool and interesting way oh my god no way yeah oh for sure for sure oh my god i i'm very excited for the future of half-life and and where to go from there and valve if you want to sponsor us (laughs) uh, get us some vr headsets uh, to play half-life alex i maybe have to put my hand behind my back just push my arm a little bit but i'll break i'll break (laughs) you i'll let you do that okay fine but no i'm super excited i really do I, i my mind feels like it's blown i feel like I feel like that's the plan for Half-Life 3. I feel like I've had this yeah. like epiphany. I, <laughs> guys, let's get on it. Guys and gals, if you love Half-Life yeah. and you want to make Half-Life 3, let's do this. It, it'd be cool. And especially the people from Black Mesa. They remade Half-Life yeah. 1. Like, yeah, that's they insane. Did. That is literally insane. So like the, to be able to remake Half-Life 1, it goes within the same prospects of making a whole new Half-Life. Why not? Like, why not? It's so cool. All right, and that ties back to like, why didn't they stop them from making Black Mesa, right? Why didn't they stop them from remaking their game and then reselling it on their platform? Right. If it, You could certainly extrapolate that out to because they want that community to exist and they want to foster that community, which, again, it sounds like that's what they wanted from the start. But it makes no sense why they wouldn't make Half-Life 3. If that's, if that's the goal is to kind of build the community and, and encourage the, the, the thought and story behind... Uh, the thought behind the story and... Uh, just to make fans happy. It doesn't make any sense why they'd wait so long to make Half-Life 3, unless they really just felt like they couldn't do it. But I think that eventually Jeff Keighley is going to walk into Game Newell's office and be like, hey, listen, like they made Half-Life 3, the community made Half-Life 3, but that the plan? And Gabe's going to smile and stand up and walk over to like a locked filing cabinet and open it up, and inside the a single folder. He's going to pull it out, and inside is a paper that says... We plan for the community to make Half-Life 3. <laughs> and he's going to say, this has been in this uh, filing cabinet for 20 years. Yeah, and Jeff is like, what the hell? <laughs> Everyone's going to lose their mind. And Valve's yeah. like, we're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I really I really do feel like that is the case. I, that's my best guess as to why Half-Life 3 has not been, has not been made. Um, but yeah, we've definitely beaten this dead horse. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, now, but now like, now you've been indoctrinated, right, into the group of individuals yes. who are so invested in this story and want it to continue. I'm building an HEV suit right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to use a blowtorch, but I'm using one. <laughs> those hooks get deeper and deeper into you as you play more Half-Life. Um, it's just like this really incredible uh, little thing that I, 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 I obviously am biased, but I really enjoy. I would love to hear, though. <laughs> People who it didn't click with you, or like us, you didn't engage with it until years later and went back to it and what that experience was like. I think it feels very different than if you played it on launch. And if, if, you're, if your experience was only Black Mesa, what that feels like, I'd be really interesting to hear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, please let us know. Um, uh, email us at talesfromthecartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. And also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us. Let us know what you think. We would love to read 
your thoughts and perspectives in our future episodes. Um, you've yet to get one yet, but man, fingers crossed. I think it's going to come soon. I really yeah. do. Be the first. Yeah. We would happily like shout yeah. you out. Be the first person writing to us. We would happily read your your, <laughs> yeah. your thoughts. Um, just be nice <laughs> to us. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You can imagine our first emails just like, you guys are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why did my mom write that email? We'll still read it. We'll still read it. <laughs> We're not cowards. Rare. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just call everyone out, and then you can't be called out, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole list. <laughs> All right. Let's start with Nintendo. Nintendo, uh, you're cowards. Let's start with Sony. But yeah. And uh, next week, we are covering the N64 game, Shadows of the Empire. Ooh. Ryan, have you ever played Shadows of the Empire? No, I've never. I am, as you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I've never played Shadows of the Empire. I've played the other continuations of this this character mm-hmm. in other experiences, but not in his first fully formed form. So I'm really excited. Yeah, I just have three words to share with you. Get ready. Okay, here it goes. This is going to like sum up uh, Shadows of the Empire for you. Three words. Here it goes. Yeah, I'm ready. Puffy. Space. Shoulder pads. <laughs> Puffy, space, shoulder pads. And I don't know if shoulder pads is, is one word. I'm making it one word. I realized as I was saying, I was like, oh, crap. I think it might be four words I needed. But no. Puffy, space, shoulder pads. The main character has them, Puffy and space. he rocks it, dude. He is cool think of han solo but cooler and with puffy space shoulder pads and then you got the main character of shadows of the empire i can't wait so get ready (laughs) buckle up (laughs) but yeah so shadows of the empire next week let us know what you think about it before we record we'll read your perspectives on there if you get it to us as soon as you can and um thank you so much for listening to our episode today so yeah we'll see you next week goodbye goodbye goodbye. (laughs) hermes is having very strong feelings